0: Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Here now a reading from Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 3 through 14. Listen for the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, He has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit." This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God for the people of God. Chakos of hope, faith, and love. Switching from some of the stories we've heard over the last several weeks to this opening passage from Ephesians is a little bit of a mouthful. But what we heard together is an introduction to the letter, the book of Ephesians, an opening greeting and prayer. And it does what a writing or English teacher like my stepmother 30 years of teaching middle school English, taught very carefully that we ought to do in the opening paragraph of a good essay. It gives us a summary of what the letter and book of Ephesians is about. If we break it down, we hear, God gives us every blessing. God chose us to be holy and blameless in love, planned to make us all God's children in order to glorify God, and God does this in grace. We are redeemed by God's love, forgiven through grace. And though the world seems mysterious, God has a plan, ultimately, that God lets us know because of Jesus, God is going to unify and reconcile everything. Not just humans reconciled together and not just humans with God, but all of creation Reconcile together with God, bringing harmony to the universe. And we, humans, have a part in that through our inheritance in Christ. Not a bad opening paragraph for an essay. Now, when we hear that word, inheritance, any number of images might pop into our heads. Perhaps it's a classic movie scene with people in dark suits sitting solemnly in a lawyer's office while a will is read. Maybe it's an actual experience with a family heirloom that's been passed down for you. We may think of homes or jewelry or other belongings. We all probably think of money in some form or other when we hear inheritance. When we're talking about Jesus, though, we can be pretty sure that when the author of Ephesians was writing about an inheritance, there wasn't like a 401k that Jesus put 4% of the loaves and fishes into, and there's no sports car or family home to cash in on from Jesus. We're talking about a whole different economy that God is a part of, that Jesus is a part of, that we're dealing with in this passage. The inheritance we have in Christ is God's grace and forgiveness, our belovedness, our adoption into God's family as children of God, to know who we are and whose we are through and through. It is to know without any doubt or possibility or concern of what the markets might be doing to that 401k or what housing bubble might burst, what our worth is in God's eyes. The world's economy functions a little differently than this, right? It tries to measure our worth in some different ways. It may be an hourly rate or salary that we earn, the status of our job, what our home costs or what our car costs, how much money we have in the bank, how well-known we are, how many followers we have on social media, how many likes or views we get, or even just what the community thinks of us. There might be days when we feel really good about our worth in the world's eyes, days when we feel really valuable seeing ourselves reflected in those measures. And the world's economy is really comfortable pushing us to make sure that we feel good by those measures, pushing us to do more and make more, to post more, to share more, to prove more and more that we are valuable and continue holding up those standards over and over, to work, to earn, to show that we are valuable and worthy. But the things supposedly proving our value Those items, those bank accounts, those social media posts, they don't last in the same way. They are not a true reflection of who we really are. And far too often, for far too many people in the world, despite their best effort to try to earn more value in the world's eyes, it isn't enough to cover what they need To make their daily life really livable. This passage from Ephesians, though the language is a little heavy and confusing, it reminds us where our worth is really found. It isn't just that we are individually somehow special, although I do believe that God has brought special things in each of us, but rather, that we are a part of something special and extraordinary, that we've been brought into something and offered a gift to receive as our own. We have been invited to share in the richness of God's grace. Unlike the world's economy, where we have to work so hard to earn our worth in one way or another, whatever it is that we want or we're going to have, and scarcity sometimes is lurking around every corner, God's economy of grace and love and forgiveness is something we can't ever earn, and yet is abundant, free-flowing, offered at every turn. Grace. It's a cornerstone of our Methodist theology, a grace that exists before we're aware of it, a grace that is present throughout our lives, a grace we can't possibly be worthy of, and yet a grace that God is offering us continuously. The theologian Frederick Buechner wrote this about grace. After centuries of handling and mishandling, Most religious words have become so shop-worn, nobody's much interested anymore. Not so with grace, for some reason. Mysteriously, even derivatives like gracious and graceful still have some of the bloom left. Grace is something you can never get, but can only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream, or earn good looks, or bring about your own birth. A good sleep is grace, and so are good dreams. Most tears are grace. The smell of rain is grace. Somebody loving you is grace. Loving somebody is grace. Have you ever tried to love somebody? A crucial eccentricity of the Christian faith is the assertion that people are saved by grace. There is nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. The grace of God means something like, here is your life. You might never have been, but you are, because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you. There's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of yours, the gift of grace can only be yours if you'll reach out and take it. Maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift too. Buechner is right. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. And that small quote is often the most well-known from this passage. The fact that our inheritance is found in Christ ought to be a clue to that as the life of Jesus certainly wasn't one free of pain and struggle. Our own lives are often evidence of it too. As the terrible things happen around us, sometimes to us, it can be harder and harder to stay connected to God's grace critiques and losses and struggles can slide us away from seeing God's abundance and help us slip into thinking back to the world's economy of scarcity. We begin to cling tightly to whatever we think we can control in order to feel secure and loved. But then, those moments of grace, they're still there we see those blessings that the author of Ephesians talks about. Riches lavished upon us from God's love. Those moments Beekner is talking about, like a good sleep, the smell of rain, loving someone. If we take a moment right now where we are and we think back to our lives, I bet we could each find those moments when God's goodness is tangible, a moment of experienced grace. In order to take in those moments, we have one thing to do, to respond. That's the only thing we're called to do in this passage in Ephesians, the only action there is. The only thing is to praise God in response. We respond to this gift of grace that we cannot earn by saying, Thank you, God. Wow, God. We share our love and praise of God, reaching out and letting it shine in our life in such a way that others are drawn in to God's grace as well. The hymn we've heard framing our sermon throughout this series, You Are the Seed, has several verses, one of which has my favorite line in the entire hymnal. Now, you've probably never heard it before. It's not a hymn that many churches sing very often. I was lucky that I got to go to Candler and we heard it sung there and we just heard it before the sermon, but you'll hear it again after the sermon, so I hope you'll pay attention. The line that we hear sounds like this. You are the flame that will lighten the dark, sending sparkles of hope, faith, and love. Now, if you're ever in a trivia night and they ask if the word sparkles exists in the United Methodist Hymnal, You can win that trivia point. Probably nobody else will know it. It does. You wouldn't expect it. Certainly not a Methodist-seeming word. But it's there. Because this response to this amazing, lavish, abundant gift of God's grace, this counter to the world's economy that tells us that our worth has to be worked so hard to earn, this response is a sparkling praise of hope. Faith and love. When we know that we are deeply loved by God, given every blessing, this abundant grace that we can never earn, and yet we are chosen before the foundation of the world to be a part of. It tells us that we have worth, and we cannot help but respond by praising God, sending out those sparkles. God has already done the work. We have another gift, the gift of being able to respond. Beautiful and terrible things will happen, but God is with us. God offers us this gift of a life filled with grace and invites us to send out sparkles of hope, faith, and love. Go today. Sparkle on. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.